The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. We have a really great episode every single week. Uh, I say that every week in the beginning of the episode. And so, you know, I need to clarify every single week is a great episode. And this week we have one of the most wonderful people that I've met in the entire like sex education industry. We have Lee David Elliott Cray on the podcast today. Lee is someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while because they are a kink like expert and has had extensive training in kink, like BDSM and all of that good fun stuff. Things that I don't have all of my expertise in just yet. I'm hoping we can have them back on because Lee has so much knowledge, so much knowledge, so much information to share, such an amazing background of education. And you all are going to love them. So please enjoy this episode and make sure that um, if you have any questions for Lee, we will have them back on and we can prepare a whole list of really fun kink related questions since he is now our resident kink expert. Thank you, Lee, for coming on. And I hope everyone enjoys the episode. All right, I'm so excited to have you on here. We have Lee David Elliott Cray. What a name. And also a million different titles underneath sexologist, educator, coach, PhD, consultant specializing in gender, sexuality, relationship diversity, and neurodiversity. She is so talented. Brain is big and juicy. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. That was such a nice introduction. Yay, good. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Actually, so we both, I am a student of the Sexual Health Alliance, and you are curriculum coordinator for the LGBTQ. Yeah, so currently I am the LGBTQ plus curriculum coordinator for the Sexual Health Alliance. I also co-teach with Midori, the kink and form certification, and... If you ever read our Nympho Media blog, I yes. edit that too. <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. know that. The and, Nympho, Nympho Media blog has a lot of really good stuff on it. People sleep right? on the blog. It's a good blog. It it's is. a good blog. <laughs> um, I'm also a Sexual Health Alliance alumni myself. I graduated um, almost a year ago now with my um, sexuality counselor certification. That's crazy. Um, we actually, I think we did our SAR together, right? I think that's when we like would have seen each other the first time. Yeah, yeah. So um, that would have been what, like December 21, something yes. like that? 
Because we watched some Christmas themed um, videos. <laughs> yes, Christmas themed videos. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so that we're not being like the you can't sit with us girlies. I'll explain what, what an SAR is. It's a sexual attitude readjustment, right? I think that's what it is. Reassessment. Reassessment. I, actually, I think it might be either. It might be both. I don't know. <laughs> We'll just call it an SAR. And it's part of the certification process to be certified by ASECT. And so it's part of the um, Sexual Health Alliance curriculum too. And we basically all get together in a little Zoom or at the time we were doing Zoom. I don't know if they're going to do them in person now. Mm -hmm. And we go through um, with, with some with lots of guidance, lots of checking in. We watch all of these different adult films, pornographic films, and it helps to expose us to all different types of sexuality and sex sexual experiences. So then when we're practicing later, we are first of all familiar with all the things and, and to the extent that we've seen it. So like, it's not gonna come as a complete surprise. And um, we can let go of any biases that we might have or um, judgments or whatever that you didn't realize you had until you were watching it. And mm -hmm. it's a really helpful process even just to to learn what that um, what all the different types of sexuality exist, all the different like sexual activities that exist. Yeah, because it's a big world. <laughs> There's a lot and out there. There is so much out there. And I... I think all the time about how crazy it is that when I started my whole journey in like sex coaching, sex education, I knew like a little baby, like sesame seed of what was out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's just so, there's so much to explore once people, um, you know, choose to explore. And I think it also has to do a lot with like unraveling some shame and deciding what you really want to explore. And so um, I'm especially glad that you're you're here for that type of a conversation because you are specialized in kink um, in general, right? Or is it a specific area of kink? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know what I specialize in. I will give you a different answer depending on the day. Cause okay. I, I get distracted easily. And then I'm like, I'm going to go do this thing for a minute now. Right. But yeah, I would say w within kink, my specialty, you know, like I'm not someone you would come to if you want to learn how to like suspend someone in rope. Right. Um, I, I'm not that. I like to do the sort of conceptual side of kink. I like to think yeah. about some of the the philosophical frameworks that we bring to the table, sort of maybe what we might think of as kink above the shoulders. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and also flogging. I really like flogging. <laughs> <laughs> and also flogging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So um, how did you get introduced into this space and into really like the sex education world? I know um, just from our conversations that you've always been an academic. Like yeah. I said, big juicy brain. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you are, you studied philosophy in the past. Yeah. So my story is odd and long. I'll give you like the <laughs> teaser trailer version of it. And then we can, okay. we can unpack anything that you want more of, you know, so I'm one of those people who will say the cliche thing, like, well, I've kind of always been into kink even before I knew about it, but right. it's really true. Uh, I won't get into the details, but it's it's been a constant throughout my life. I just didn't always have the vocabulary for it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the language and the lenses to really understand my interests 
and my my desires and even some of my behavior. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I was kind of cosplaying as this cisgender, heterosexual, monogamous boy. Yeah. Because uh, that's what people told me I was when I was a kid. And yeah. also, not only that, but that's what they told me I had to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but as you mentioned, I became an, um, became an academic. I'm a first-generation college student. And wow. yeah, I, I went to college because I didn't know what else to do. And after college, I was like, I'll go to grad school because I don't know what else to do. Where I studied um, an extremely practical field, which is philosophy. <laughs> um, yes, right up there with, um, honestly, at this point, I feel like business degrees are in the same spot. So oh. I don't really know what's practical anymore. Oh, we can talk about business degrees. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> but um with with philosophy, like, you know, it it gets a lot of grief. A lot mm-hmm. of people will be like, you know, well, what are you going to do with that? And it gives you soft skills, amazing mm-hmm. soft skills of being able to, like, look at difficult things and break it down, see, like, make difficult things simple, make simple things difficult, see mm-hmm. the forest and the trees simultaneously, mm-hmm. really think through nuance. And, like, that's a powerful skill that you can you can import into any profession or yeah. export. I don't know which one it would be. <laughs> I didn't study business. <laughs> I think it could go either way. And that, that's yeah. such a great, when you had said that you studied um, philosophy, all I was thinking is um, how one of the things I feel like lacks so much in the way that people just discuss or argue anything now is nuance and yeah. critical thought. And I yeah. just like, I, I wish that there was more of an emphasis on philosophy, even just for like, that should be a gen ed. Like everyone should take that to a degree where you should, it, it's helpful. Even sometimes um, I was thinking earlier today about how interesting it is that you take, you do like reading comprehension in school. Yeah. And at the time I was like, I'm reading, I'm comprehending it. I get it. And now I actually understand what they mean by reading comprehension. And so yeah. I feel like philosophy is just like life comprehension. I love that way of putting it. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I might quote you on that. Take it, take it. It's awesome. yours. <laughs> well, so I eventually, you know, I went all the way through, got my PhD, became a philosophy professor and worked my way up to tenure. Uh, so I was the first openly trans woman. I had come out at this point as trans. Mm-hmm. Um, first openly trans woman at Texas Christian University. Wild. Yeah, which um, is not a Christian school, but mm. is also a Christian school, depending on what would be most convenient um, <laughs> at the moment. That feels uh, like I, that feels like the Christian experience as a whole. That's actually a very Christian school then. <laughs> oh, very. Yeah. And, you know, I was there during COVID and I was there during um, the post-George Floyd mm. uh, protests and just watching the way they were handled. Mm. And seeing the focus um, increasingly just not being on the students or on the faculty, mm. you know, the people who are there to teach and the people who are there to learn, we're kind of right. falling way down the list of priorities. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So yeah. I did the thing that no one does is I got tenure and I quit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's when I pivoted. I remember I made a Facebook post and I was like, hey, which of the things should I do? Uh, once I quit academia and mm-hmm. it was like mail carrier, all this other stuff. Oh, and one of the things on the list was pro-dom. 
pro oh like professional dominatrix that's and i think everyone <laughs> thought i was kidding <laughs> i i die that it's on the same list as mailman like the same person would be interested in potentially both so we're just gonna put it on the same list yeah that's you funny. know i mean everyone thought i was kidding but mm -hmm. i wasn't um because you know, while I was living in Texas, I got really involved in the local um, kink community and I was mm -hmm. frequenting dungeons. I was teaching at the dungeons, various mm -hmm. things, and really, really starting to sharpen my understanding of the lifestyle, mm -hmm. if we can call it that. And it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. I'm an academic. So when I get interested in something, I need to know it. Right. And it, it turned into that. So we fast forward to today. And yeah, so I'm now a BDSM educator. Um, I'm a, I do professional BDSM work mm -hmm. and uh, a bunch of other stuff too. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And I was actually I was listening to other podcasts that you were on and I was learning so much because I'm not really um, like kink uh, informed yet I would mm -hmm. like to be and honestly hearing the way that you were talking about it really inspired me too because there's so much there and one of the things that I learned from one of the conversations you were having was the red yellow green system yeah. that mm -hmm. was so interesting and like things like that I think I think from an outsider's perspective and someone who might not be um I don't even want to say like someone who's sex negative because I don't think it's that I think it's just like fear of unknown yeah I, I think that for those who feel that way it just feels like how is this enjoyable if it looks painful and scary but in reality there's so much else that happens that you don't you won't see in porn and you won't see in movies and there's a lot of other conversations that take place to make it feel safe and you could still enjoy everything else, but you're not actually in like physical danger. Absolutely. I mean, kink by its nature is always going to feel a little dangerous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in part because of what it is. So kink is, I like to think of it as the, the interest or the exploration of like erotically transgressive activities. And by transgressive, okay. I just mean things that go against like, the typical norms of what we would expect. Right. So if something becomes too normal, too mm -hmm. quote unquote safe from a cultural perspective, it kind of stops being kink. kink. What What kink. is something that you feel like has fallen into that category? So I think about pegging. Okay. You know, like people used to think pegging is really kinky, but now you yeah. go to any sex toy shop and there's like a wall of harnesses it's like <laughs> right I'm more surprised when someone isn't into pegging right um, right <laughs> but at the same time it still has this cultural perception of being a little transgressive because mm -hmm. even though like so many people are into it a lot of people won't admit that they're into it for right. a whole bunch of ridiculous reasons yeah I, I saw um I think it was like one out of five people have have um, said that they had done something in like the kink realm. And yeah. I had posted something about it. And a lot of the comments were like, oh, that's a lot like fewer people than I was expecting. And I said, well, this is a self-reporting type of study. So this is what people are saying they've engaged in. So mm -hmm. I'm sure there are tons of people who are who didn't feel comfortable sharing or they were engaging in something that maybe in their mind was not necessarily kink and may maybe for others it would because it's such a giant umbrella and it's kind of vague. 
It is. It is. And it's it's it grows and it changes. Mm-hmm. And like there are things that I now see as kink practices that before I wouldn't have recognized as having like any erotic potential at all. Right. Right. Um, but it's I've noticed when I meet people who just start getting into kink sometime within the first couple weeks I catch them singing that Aladdin song um of it's a whole new world oh because <laughs> it's just kind of like the kink newbie theme song I, I love it. <laughs> yeah it's just independently I just hear them all singing that under their breath at least once because it's so fitting yeah. it's really what it is and you got to be careful with that because when it's a whole new world you can want to like dive in like with both feet right yeah. away with very little regard for protocol, for safety, for technique, and you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So if someone were trying to, actually, this is another thing that came up when I was thinking about a podcast episode that you did. And I watched, yeah. um, I watched the first 50 shades of gray for the first time recently. Yeah. It was like yeah. one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. I was like, right? what, what are, I was waiting for, I was like, when the movie ended, I was like, that's it. Nothing happened yet. But um i understand the appeal and it's fine but one of the things that was in the contract that they were negotiating was suspension and i remembered you saying like and and it makes sense obviously really dangerous and so if you are not you have not been taught how to do that you can't just like suspend somebody from the ceiling and assume it's just gonna like work out and be fine you could really hurt somebody you could kill somebody yeah so you know, rope suspension, mm-hmm. um, which is the most common kind of suspension. There are others, like you can do chains or you can mm-hmm. do hook suspension, but rope suspension is always what we would call edge play. Mm. And edge play is play that is kind of at the edge of a limit or at the edge of safety. Mm-hmm. Right. So whenever you're engaged in edge play, you're doing something risky. And that goes for rope, even if you're not suspending. Mm-hmm. Because if someone ties you, and they don't know what they're doing, and you don't know what you're doing in being tied, mm-hmm. you can end up with permanent nerve damage. Yeah. Or if you're suspended and something goes wrong and you fall and land right on the back of your head, you mm-hmm. might not survive that. Right. So I know some people, they want to like go from zero to a hundred overnight. They want to like meet someone and, and get suspended right then because there's also this idea that that's like the pinnacle of rope right oh which is <laughs> you're like child's play <laughs> well i just think it, it's a kind of suspension's cool yeah but like i don't think you know it's kind of like in yoga where some people are like this is the fullest expression of the pose i'm mm-hmm. like get out of here with that nonsense right you know? right but like I know some people who are like, oh, I want to get suspended tonight. And it's like, no, no. No. Like if this is your first time, meet someone Mm -hmm. and play with them for a while before you do suspension. Like with my previous rigger who I worked with, the rigger Mm -hmm. being someone who ties, um, we probably did rope together, like floor rope for six months at least before we did our first suspension. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, I think in general, there's a lot of baby steps that come before the actual things that you're 
like you're saying, wanting to jump in with two feet. And I think that there's also, there's a part of it that I think can also feel a little overwhelming and intimidating because there it's a whole it is a whole different world there's so many different elements to it there's different language and um there's a lot to learn so if someone wanted to like take a step back from trying to experience first and just wanted to like learn from you know what what exactly could they even be um engaging in what are the practices they might be interested in how do you how would you do that yeah that's a really good question um so one really common resource is FetLife. And mm-hmm. that comes with a very, very qualified recommendation. Mm-hmm. So FetLife, for those who don't know what it is, it's kind of like, it gets called like the kinky Facebook. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, when you go on, people are sharing status updates and photos and events. People can have a lot of trouble on FetLife because a lot of people use it as a porn site mm. or as a dating site. Mm-hmm. And um, they think, oh, well, you signed up for a kink site, so I can send you any DM that I want or I can call right. anything. And there's a lot of really kind of gross harassment. Mm-hmm. If you can lock down your privacy settings enough or remain anonymous enough that you don't have to deal with that, there's a lot of really great writings because it's also kind of a blogging site. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of writings you can find. So if you get on there and you're like, I want to learn about wax play, just type in wax play. You'll get a bunch of photos. You'll get a bunch of writing. Mm-hmm. That's one thing you could do. There's also really great educators out there. Like on, on YouTube, uh, Evie Lupine is a really good educator with a whole lot of videos. I mentioned Midori earlier. Mm-hmm. I would always recommend Midori stuff because I think her understanding of kink is just the, the subtlety in it mm-hmm. um, and the lived experience. It's just like masterful. Yeah. And then local community. So if you're lucky enough to be near a city, then there's probably, there's probably at least one of two things there. There's probably either a munch or a dungeon. So a munch is kind of, um, an informal public gathering of kinksters where you come out in a vanilla space mm-hmm. and just kind of talk and, and feel each other out. And that way you can make connections and you can get integrated into the local community and then learn from there. Mm-hmm. Or there's dungeons. Dungeons are kind of like kinky gyms <laughs> um, or kinky community centers. You know, there's equipment and everything, but there's also classes typically. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's all these misconceptions about dungeons, like, oh, if I go, like, moment I walk in, someone in a puppy mask is going to run up and peg me. It's like, no, right. that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, I, I would argue that people who are in who are in the kink space and practice any kink activities to the degree that they go to a dungeon, like they're comfortable and experienced enough to do that, they yeah. probably have a better understanding of boundaries and consent than most people would. Yeah. I've often said that I feel safer in BDSM and kink spaces than I do in vanilla spaces Mm -hmm. because the protocols are different. If you're in a dungeon and you're touching someone without consent, you're getting thrown out. Mm -hmm. And there's also much less of um, alcohol culture. 
and substance use culture. And, you know, no shade on, on folks who engage in substance use. It can, however, compromise consent. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a dungeon, like a lot of dungeons have like, they have no substance. They have policies of no substances. Mm. That's so um, interesting. It makes sense though, because you would want everyone to be really clear and aware of their surroundings and what they're doing, their behavior. That makes sense. Exactly. Like if you're in there literally playing with fire. Yeah. <laughs> or like if you're, you know, engaged in something like knife play or suspension, you don't want someone to be drunk. Yeah. Yeah. But this also makes dungeons really cool spaces for people who are looking for sober alternatives mm. to things like bars um because there's just it's a very different culture um yeah. and usually really cool communities now i don't want to overstate the safety because there are creeps yeah anyone who spent enough time in a local uh bds american community will know there are creeps mm -hmm. but typically there's a sense of community accountability where you at least know who the creeps are right Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. And I think that that's a very important distinction to make. And I, I understand completely being more comfortable in those spaces than in, in the vanilla spaces, especially with substance stuff. I never really like really thought about how much of an impact that makes in people, people, obviously when people use substances and they're in their just regular sexual experiences, it makes a difference. And I think the general idea is, oh, I'm going to drink a little, loosen up, get less nervous. But in reality, the feelings that we have of being nervous, being scared, I feel like that's your body trying to tell you something. And if you're just going to numb that all the time, that's yeah. not great to either. Yeah. <laughs> And when your body is trying to tell you that, like that's important information because, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about consent between people, but there's also this notion of self-consent mm -hmm. and really like opting in with full consent to do something. And I think you can violate your own consent when your body is telling you no, no, and you go ahead and do it anyway. There is, there is some kind of self-directed like infraction there. Mm -hmm. And really learning to listen to that and trust yeah. that. I think that's an essential part of kink and BDSM. I mean, yeah. it's an essential part of anything. Um, but if you really want to like hone your consent skills and your like negotiation skills and all mm -hmm. that, spend like a couple years in kink and then like those skills will transfer to every other aspect of your life. Right. Yeah, that's that's actually that's a really good idea. <laughs> I yeah. feel like you you have a lot more agency in in situations where people are expecting you to like make the rules and so that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So you were talking before about a munch and a dungeon. How yeah. would someone find these? Cuz I feel like even I have just been like sex dungeon in Google and ain't nothing yeah. showing up. So how are we finding these? They can be hard to find, um, especially munches, because mm. it's not like people are typically advertising them very loudly. Right, um, right. A lot of times, like, a munch will be, like, you go to some obscure restaurant and you ask to sit with the Smith party. And, oh. you know, and then, like, not even the establishment really knows that it's a munch. Wow. Um, well, because, you know, it's there's a discreet. lot of privacy. A lot, it's very discreet. So FetLife is typically where you'll find a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so if you get on FetLife and you search like events in your area, you'll find typically 
well, a whole list of events in or near your area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's probably the most reliable way to do it, though it comes with all of the the notes I had earlier about that life being in some ways kind of a cesspool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so if someone were trying to get into kink play within their relationship, like yeah. within what, you know, they're not trying to like necessarily leave their home right away. Maybe that's like a later goal, but for now they're just trying to find ways to spice and spice up what they are doing now. And they think that there are some kinks they want to explore. How, how would you recommend those conversations and how would you recommend people like what's like, I feel like wax play is a good kind of baby kink to explore. Cause it's yeah. relatively safe and it's accessible. You can find like um, wax oil, massage oil uh, pretty easily, that kind of stuff. But so you want to be careful with your candles because if mm -hmm. you start like using like a scented candle or something like that, yeah. that can hurt you. Yeah. So there's even with that, there's, there's some stuff to know. Um, but like, what I would recommend for like a couple that's just kind of wanting to dip their toe in is one, don't have any expectations for what your kink or BDSM has to look like. Mm. You know, like there's all these images we have of like, you know, the latex clad dominatrix, you know, basically <laughs> like Catwoman with a whip. Right. <laughs> you don't have to be that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, a lot of times when I kink, I look like a librarian, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a trope. Sexy librarian's a trope. Right? It sure <laughs> is. Um, but you can start off, you know, some like, like wax play is a good one to start with. Like simple impact play. Like you go to any toy shop and you can find a little like entry level flogger. You can find a crop or something like that. I mean, you can buy those at the mall. You just mm -hmm. go to Spencer's yeah. Gifts or something yeah. like that. Um, you can start with some like basic bondage, mm -hmm. you know, you can get like under the bed restraints mm -hmm. or you can get like things that will basically turn your door into a cross, you yeah. know, like little tie, like uh, uh, restraints that you can loop over the top of the door. But also you can do it without going out and buying stuff. If you have clothespins, mm -hmm. you can use clothespins. If you have ice cubes, you can yeah. use ice cubes. Or you can just engage in um, role play. Mm -hmm. So a lot of a lot of kink is about the the erotic act of power exchange, consensual power exchange, mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about domination and submission, it's always the submissive consensually submitting which is what make the makes the act of dominance possible right 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 so you can do that um through all sorts of different role play scenarios mm -hmm. now what i would recommend before doing any of that though is have a conversation about what's yes. drawing you to it so i think stuff you want to talk about uh and here's a fun little fun little acronym right uh, BDS map. Oh. So BDS MAP. So you would talk about your boundaries. And let's be clear, boundaries are not about what other people can and can't do. Oh, we, yeah, we as a society, pop culture wise, learned that recently. Right? Uh huh. Boundaries are about what you do when other people do certain things. Mm -hmm. Right? So boundaries are about your own behavior. So think about your boundaries. Um, 
So the D would be talk about your desires. What do you hope to get out of this interaction or this addition to your dynamic? Mm -hmm. You talk about boundaries. Um, you talk about desires. For S, you talk about safety. So like, what is your STI status? Mm -hmm. Or do you have any heart conditions that are relevant? Because for some kind of play, if you have a heart condition, it should be off the table. Like, don't do electricity mm -hmm. if you've got a <laughs> severe heart condition. Yes. Uh, and that's also when you can talk about safe words and things like the traffic light system that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And also plan for what you're going to do if something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's the BDS. M is meaning. Talk about meaning. Mm. What does it mean if like, we're in a dynamic and you like being hit and I like hitting you. What, what does that mean? What is the significance of that? Or mm -hmm. is this an escalation of our relationship or is this just like a thing that we're going to do once in a while? Mm -hmm. the, a, the A is for aftercare because that's super important. Like when you're done with some BDSM play, like do you cuddle? Do you go out for ice cream? Do you mm -hmm. analyze and unpack? Yes. <laughs> uh, do you give critical feedback? You know, what helps you regulate and come mm -hmm. back to a sense of equilibrium? And then P is play. That's the last step. All right. So you follow the BDS map. You talk about boundaries, desires, safety, meaning, aftercare, and then you play. I love that. I, that's that makes it seem so much more approachable. And I like that there are steps along the way that are really exploring what, like the M is very important, I think. That what does this yeah. mean to you? Because ultimately if you end up engaging in something and it's like you decide it's not for you, then you can go back to the map of like, what does this mean for you? And how can maybe we can tap into that meaning in a different way? Or maybe that's something that we just can't get on board with. And that helps bring so much clarity to I think the actions that you're wanting to perform. Absolutely. And you know, the more you get comfortable with a framework like that, mm -hmm. whether you use that framework or some, some variation, like we were talking about a minute ago, you can take that outside of kink and BDSM. So mm -hmm. I also, um, I practice polyamory. And when I'm talking with someone who I want to enter into a partnership with, even if it's completely vanilla, mm -hmm we'll go through boundaries, desires, safety, meaning, like we'll go through basically the same thing mm -hmm. as we talk about what we want our relationship dynamic to look like. So again, yeah. you get those transferable skills. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that um, acronym and that process would be helpful in pretty much every facet of sexuality, even if you are in like a kind of regular monogamous, whatever that that conversation, if you have a hard time understanding how to have conversations around sexuality, that map, yeah, literally, and also in the acronym, is really, really helpful. Absolutely. And it's really a great tool for neurodivergent folks mm. or for autistic folks who might sometimes struggle with subtext. Right. or with innuendo or with subtle suggestion and might benefit more when things are explicit and structured. Mm -hmm. I myself am autistic. I myself benefit from that. Uh, there's a great teacher, um, a coach and an educator out there named John Pendle, who he's a former international Mr. Leather. And Ooh. he has a lot of really great content on um, kink and neurodiversity mm -hmm. because 
there's a lot of overlap there too. You see a lot of folks who are autistic or neurodivergent in other ways gravitating towards kink communities. Fascinating. Do you think it's because there it being part of the kink community requires those conversations? And so there's so much more clarity around it because it's kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah. So like navigating a vanilla monogamous context, like mm -hmm. the sort of default setting relationship that, mm -hmm. that we're expected to conform to, um, the communication norms that are expected within those practices are they're, they're pretty difficult to navigate you yeah. know there's like you 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 want to be open but not too open and you know but and you don't want to talk too much about like you don't want to negotiate and plan too much because then you're taking out the spontaneity and this right. can create like an actual barrier of accessibility for people who like struggle with subtext mm-hmm there's also that like when you go to vanilla bars, like there's a lot of noise and movement yeah. and colors and flashing. And for people with sensory issues, that mm -hmm. can get really overstimulating. Mm -hmm. Dungeons, dungeons tend to be like more quiet. Oh, really? And more, well, yeah, because people want to focus on their play. So oh. there'll be music, but it's typically not like, it's not in your face. Like if yeah, you're like out at like a overpowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, they tend to be like pink spaces tend to be more accessible for neurodivergent mm -hmm. folks too. That's so interesting. That's mm -hmm. so interesting. I feel like the, um, the, kink community is like just overall way nicer <laughs> like, I feel like there's just, there's so much comfort in, in knowing that all of these systems are in place and that that's kind of the expectation across the board versus like you were saying in kind of vanilla monogamous relationships, it's just the fucking wild west and you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is the wild west. It's it like, is. Yeah. And I, I could not navigate it, you yeah. know, at all. Um, now there is like the, there are some old guard people in BDSM communities who are like, my way is the only way. I'm a dom. Right. And it's like, honey, like, come, come on. on. Adapt. <laughs> like, those people take themselves very seriously without realizing that everyone is rolling their eyes at them. Right, right. Oh, God. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, so, okay, this is going to sound really silly, and, like, I, I feel silly even bringing it up, but because I just watched Fifty Shades of Grey, I need yeah. to discuss parts of it with you because, okay. because I had issues with it, and I am not in the kink space specifically, but as I was watching it, there are parts of it that I just, and like, if they just had asked somebody, if they just asked anybody in, in sex education, specifically kink informed space, they would have been able to approach this so differently. But there, you were saying before that dom sub relationships work when, because the sub is willing to um, be submissive yeah. and the whole dynamic in this movie is a dom forcing himself into that position. Yeah. It's that movie I mean, the current kink community owes a lot to that movie. Yeah. Because it generated a lot of interest. Yeah. Um, it got a lot of people out of their house and mm -hmm. into BDSM spaces for the first time where they quickly learned that the reality is nothing like that movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's a caricature mm -hmm. and it's definitely, um, 
even though it was written by a woman, it, it reads to me as like a male abuse fantasy. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. I forgot that it's written by a woman, actually, because it just doesn't doesn't feel that way. And I, I totally understand and agree that there is a lot of benefit to having something like that be in pop culture and be like a phenomenon for pop culture. And I just kept watching it and thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe they played this in movie theaters. Like, I cannot yeah. believe that people bought a ticket at a public movie theater, sat down with strangers and watched this. And like that part of me was frustrated because I was like, that's allowed. But I can't on my Instagram say vulva without potentially being flagged. Are you, are you right. fucking serious? I was like, he just said anal fisting in, in a movie that was, I just went on Amazon Prime and rented it for $3.99 and he said anal fist. Are you uh -huh. kidding? Yeah. That was, that was so, I, I was like fuming at that alone. And even just knowing that like, I have a lot of privilege in the, um, the social media space talking about sexuality because if you are somebody who is a sex worker or someone who was not on a Netflix show calling a spade a spade I'm also a, a white girl so that is also helpful these platforms are always wanting to take down people who are a minority people that they think are sex workers um yeah. there was a a movie that had come out called money shot and it was about mm -hmm. yeah so it was about the whole like back end of uh, Pornhub and can't remember the parent con company, but the, there were sex workers from that movie just getting taken down because uh, Meta had become aware. And the director of that movie, her account also got deleted. I was like, what the hell? And then we're yeah. sitting there watching Fifty Shades of Grey and he says, anal fisting. I'm like, you're uh, joking. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm friends with a, a lot of sex workers. Mm -hmm. And this is just a, a regular regular occurrence mm -hmm. is the account getting taken down and then you have to create a backup and a backup and another backup yeah. um for me as a sexologist i can't even write my job title right right i have to get creative with the spelling or else mm -hmm. that can get flagged mm -hmm. it's it's really frustrating and even if you're not doing like spicy content yeah i've had i've had photos taken down because I'm trans and I look too good in them. And they were just, they were deemed erotic material. A backhanded compliment in a way, but. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, honey, being being trans and looking good in a photo doesn't mean it was erotic content. But a right. lot of times that's how, um, I mean, this happened to me, I think on Bumble. Um, a really? couple times where it was like, yeah, this this photo is too 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 risque for our platform. And I'm like, that's just me. Right. Like just being a human sexualizing being. trans people, you know? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. All of that's very frustrating. And then again, like watching, watching something like that. And there were multiple of them and you can buy merch. You could buy merch for that movie at like target. You could buy the actual book yeah. at target. It's so part of it is, it's great because I'm, like you said, I'm glad that there are people who are able to, maybe they were kind of thinking about it and, now it seems like it's a little more mainstream and so they can explore it a little further or they didn't know that that would be something they would be interested in and are kind of engaging in this interest now. I'm happy for those people, but it is very frustrating to be on like the more professional real life side of it and be like, well, this doesn't seem fair. Yeah, yeah, yes. not at all. Um, you know, a show that 
I think it's really, I don't know if I'd fully recommend it, but it's really interesting to watch um, is the show Bonding on Netflix. Oh, I've never heard of this. So it's two seasons and the episodes are super short. They're like under 20 minutes each. And Mm. it's a kink show. It's a show about a a pro-dom girl and her uh, stand-up comic bestie. Is it reality or is it scripted? It's scripted. Okay. And um, what's interesting about it is the first season got a lot of pushback because it misrepresented a lot about kink and BDSM communities. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it didn't, it didn't show it the way Fifty Shades of Grey did, but it didn't get consent right. It didn't understand the culture. Yeah. But you know what they did for season two is they brought in a kink consultant. Beautiful. And it shows. Yeah. And it shows. Like, so I think it's really, it's maybe a fun exercise to yeah. watch season one, which you, it's like the whole season is like movie length. It's real short. Okay. <laughs> watch that and then watch season two and see if you can notice the differences because they're I, definitely there. I'm sure you can feel it. Like, I'm yeah. sure that you can, by the second season, feel the difference between having somebody there who was actually informed versus not. Um, Yeah. yeah. One of the other things that uh, while I was watching 50 shades, that was kind of frustrating to me is it seemed like a rich person thing. Like you needed a playroom, you needed a So I'm glad you brought up, like you could use ice cubes. You could, cause it's just, it's makes it seem so gatekeeped and like you have to have all this equipment and you need um, a room to store it in. And if you're not doing all that, it's not real. And that's yeah. also kind of that's that's frustrating too. Yeah, you know that's just another part of the like male power fantasy, mm-hmm. um, which is again what what has kind of turned fet life into such a cesspool because like there's a lot of Christian Grey wannabes um, on there. But so I'm really into impact play. I mm-hmm. like to hit people with things. It's fun. <laughs> I like to be hit with things. And some of my floggers are like. $200 floggers. They're wow. like really nice, really custom made. Mm-hmm. But I also just have like an old rug beater mm-hmm. that I use, you know? Or I used to, um, you know, those like little horse heads on sticks that kids will ride yeah, around? Yeah. <laughs> I have a unicorn, one of those that I oh, use God. as an impact toy. Cute. Um, so you can just like a fun date idea is like go to Walmart and look for kink toys. <gasps> That's a great. <laughs> You know, that's where I found the little unicorn head on a stick. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so for our scene tonight, we're going to go, or the Target kitchen aisle. Oh, Mm -hmm. smart. Get some meat tenderizers. Oh, Uh those are heavy. Yeah. Uh (laughs) You're like, exactly. If you do like a a nice meat tenderizer massage down the spine, Uh that's real nice. That sounds very nice. I love that idea. I think that's so fun. And it's like a kind of easier way to um, have this other person that you want to have this experience with explore things together and it's fun and light and you can just like go to Target, see what you find. And I love that idea. That's great. Yeah, Um, the term in the community is pervertible. Uh, Something is pervertible if you can transform it into a kink toy. Oh, I Um, love it. during the Sexual Health Alliance King Conform certification, uh, a few a few weeks ago with Midori, during one of our live sessions, we played a game with the students where they had to find any object in their environment yeah. 
and show it to us. And then Midori and I had to figure out how to work it into a BDSM scene. <laughs> and we were undefeated. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, wait, can I play that game? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I don't know what I have even around me. Oh, this is a little statue thing. It has dried lavender in it. Okay, so how fragile is it? Uh, I've dropped it a bunch of times and it has not broke, but it is very light. Okay, so what we could do is, this is maybe a little bit more advanced, but um, you would have to, so you're kind of up against the wall with hands on the wall mm -hmm. doing impact and you have to balance that on your head. And if it falls, then each time it falls, we move to a meaner flogger. Um, so if you drop it, we get one step meaner. Yeah. We and then if you drop it again, two steps meaner. Yeah. And it just adds an it's it's all it adds a form of bondage. Right. It's a way of restricting movement. That's very cool. Wow, you did that so easily. <laughs> Well, well it's kind of a go-to. If you don't know what to do with something, you just have someone bounce it on their head. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that idea. That's so fun. Mm. Um, well, we're we're already at 50 minutes. Like, I always feel like when these conversations go this quickly, I'm like, I just can't wait to have you back on already because yeah. I feel like we've done almost no, no, like the conversation has scratched the surface, not yeah. even. But before you go anywhere, I have two more questions for you. Okay. <laughs> the first one is when you kind of explored into sexuality professionally and even like exploring all of this stuff personally, how did you find a support system that made that feel less isolating and less like shameful? Because it's yeah. not something you can sit down with like your parents and be like, this is something I'm going to be engaging in necessarily. Yeah. It's a good question. So the Sexual Health Alliance community, you know, since that's where I did my initial training, really supportive, mm -hmm. really like a lot of my best friends currently I've made through that community. Yeah. So, and also there's kind of this mutual recognition that making it as a sexuality professional is a challenge. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of lifting each other up, which yeah. I really appreciate. My local kink community helped me a lot. And I'll also attribute it to one of my best friends um, who is also a Sexual Health Alliance uh, graduate through our sex coaching program. This is my friend, uh, Margot Underwood. So Margot and I, we, we have a lot of history. They're a wonderful human and they're a sex worker and face forward. They mm -hmm. are completely open about this and just their example their their courage and the way that they went for that and just kind of were fierce and unapologetic about it was such an inspiration and such a model for me to follow that I think without their influence, I don't know if I would have been able to make the steps that I made. Wow. Yeah. So I guess everyone just needs to meet Margot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, have you ever yeah. told them that? I have. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, they know. That's a good thing to not keep to yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's so kind. And I'm glad that you had someone very close to you to be able to be that person for you. And I I've always feel like I'm never doing enough because I'm straddling a little bit of like mainstream life and also sex ed stuff. But yeah. one of the the 
messages and comments that I get that truly makes my day is, and it somehow always happens when I'm like, I'm not doing enough. Um, when someone just says, I'm just happy that you're here. Like, I'm just mm -hmm. happy that you exist because it just makes me feel better that you're here. And I feel like this is what this friend was for you. It's like your presence alone means a lot more than, than people think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, absolutely. That's so sweet. Um, mm. So my last question, which is what I ask everybody on the podcast, but we can do a modified okay. version for you if you like. Um, so I normally ask everyone who comes on the show what their number one piece of dating advice is. But if you have a number one piece of like kink exploration advice, you could do that instead or Ooh, alongside. I can give dating advice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to give the dating advice that I most needed mm. and it will serve some people better than others. Okay. I stopped a long time ago dating with agenda. Mm. Dating with um, a goal in mind where it was very instrumental. It would be, I'm going to date this person so that I, I'm going to go on a date with them so I can get a second date. Mm-hmm so that we can size each other up so that we could see if we want to do this so that we can see if we want to do that and kind of get into what some people have called the relationship escalator mm. you know where we follow these these steps that are kind of expected and i never really liked that because i always felt like it was a sort of job interview yeah you know and it also turns dating into this like productivity oriented thing Mm -hmm. uh, where like you're doing it for the outcome. Right. And if you don't get the outcome that you want, then that means that it was like a failed relationship. Hmm. And if that's right, then 99.9% .9 of human relationships are failed relationships. And that just seems wrong to me. Yeah. So instead, when I, when I'm dating someone, if it's a first date, my mindset is I'm going on this date for the sake of spending this time with this person. Mm -hmm. not for the sake of making a good impression, not for the sake of getting a second date, not for the sake, sake of seeing if we're compatible for the future. Um, it's this non-goal directed thing. Mm -hmm. And a way to think about the difference is like, so let's say you're out walking your dog. You might be walking your dog so that the dog can empty its bowels and mm -hmm. pee before bed. There's That's goal directed. And you know, if you're out and the dog isn't going, it's frustrating. Right. Or sometimes you walk the dog just for the sake of getting out and walking the dog and spending time with your dog. Yeah. You don't need an end or a goal. Um, so I've been applying that to my dating practice for the last several years and taking it seriously. And it's been really transformative. Yeah, I love that advice. And it's interesting because I feel like I hear from, there's this one particular dating coach on TikTok. And for some reason, TikTok wants me to watch her live stream more than anything in this world. And oh. so it comes up all the time. And she's a very like date with intention person, date yeah. with goals in mind. And yeah. I think that's helpful for some people. And some people need that sort of guidance. But I love that piece of advice too, because I totally agree. Like I've had wonderful relationships with people that didn't work out, but it made it, I learned a ton. They learned a ton. We had a lot of fun. Like I don't, I would never call that a failure because it yeah. was time well spent. 
Yeah, exactly. And I actually think that that this like dating without agenda, mm -hmm. you can still do it with intention. Mm. Right. So you can be intentionally non-goal directed. Right. You know, and you can be in like when I go on a date with one of my partners, um, it's always like they're very thoughtful. They're we're very focused on each other. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, let's see what happens. Right. But it's a, let's be intentional about spending this time with one another. And then, it, you know, if it turns into something else, then it will. But we'll <laughs> yes. let that emerge and then kind of nourish it with intention as it does. Yeah. 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 I feel I feel like that creates a lot more meaningful of a, of a relationship because you're doing it because you enjoy the person versus you're trying to check a box and not fail. Exactly. Yeah. It takes, it makes it so that you're dating a person. Yes. And not a role to yes. be filled so that you can have this thing called a relationship. Yeah. I love that. That is such good advice. I expect yeah. nothing less from you, Lee, because this is, I've, I have said like a million times, big juicy brain, and I'm so <laughs> happy that you came on. And, um, and I appreciate you setting aside time for me. And I, I would love to do this again. And now that we've gotten sort of a base level um, education on kink and BDSM, maybe we can like dig a little deeper. Let's do it. Explore a little more. And I fun. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and um, yeah, I just, I appreciate it very much. I learned so much all the time. No. And for anybody who's listening, well, we need all of your socials and all of that stuff. And I'll of course put them in the, um, in the description, but for anyone who's listening, you should also um, listen to uh, Lee on any of the podcasts that you've done in the past because I was driving and listening to all of them and every single one I was like damn damn there's so much to learn so yeah if this is if this conversation was interesting for you there are plenty of others that Lee has done that are also wonderful oh well thank you for that plug oh my god of um, I also have so I have a coaching practice Mm -hmm. that's informed by my work as a sexologist and sexuality counselor and all those other things. And it is queer-centered, non-monogamy-informed, kink-informed, uh, sex worker-positive, and run as much as is practicable on anti-capitalist principles. Love it. So um, I'm also available for uh, that kind of contact as well. Amazing. And it's trans... I try and pronounce it and I always do it wrong. Transcendence. Transcendence. Okay. After I hear yeah. you do it, I'm like, duh, that's how it is. And then I try and do it myself and I'm like, nope, not happening. <laughs> but I love okay. that. And I know that that's a word that you like kind of made up, right? Like that's like your Yeah. Word. It's kind of a mixture of like, well, it's trans because, yes. you know, I'm trans. Yes. And sentience, which is like thought, mind, consciousness. Right. And you put it together and it's kind of a play on transcendence. Yeah. I um, love it. Or transcendence transcendence and I, I don't even know it it came to me one day as I was driving through heavy traffic and I was yeah. like that's it oh, those are the I'm telling you traffic drives are the best I'm grateful for the traffic sometimes right <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on I appreciate it so much and I can't wait to have you back on oh yeah thank you so much of course Thank you 
so much for listening. As a reminder, we are always accepting questions about sex ed, about relationships, life advice. We will accept it all. We would love to hear from you. So send us an email to alyssaexplainsitallpod at gmail.com. 